Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I thought the last one was the final chapter. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Friday the 13th 5, A New Beginning. Released in 1985. Written by Martin Kitrosser, David Cohen and Danny Steinman. And directed by Danny Steinman. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis for part 5? Well, I think at least... Six or seven years after the last Friday the 13th movie, Tommy Jarvis has been moving from home to home, suffering from post-traumatic stress brought on by facing Jason Voorhees. He finds a little place staying with some troubled teens, but after one of the teens is murdered by an axe, we start to see a familiar hockey mask welding maniac walking around killing people. Is this the spirit of Jason back or has Tommy got a secret he doesn't want to reveal? So, of course, after the hugely financial success (laughs) of the previous Friday, they were like, well... I guess we can make more. We (laughs) left the door open to tell more stories in this franchise. We don't need Jason. We don't need the iconic hockey mask. Oh, actually, we do. Yeah, we do. We we need to keep reminding you that you're watching a Friday the 13th movie by having Jason pop up here and there throughout the movie. Yeah. And then we're led to believe, is it a Jason or is it a, a copycat killer? Or is it, as the previous film's ending implied... That Tommy Jarvis is now the new Jason. Yeah. It, like, can you be the new Jason if your name's Tommy? Well, yeah. You just wouldn't, put... you be the new, wouldn't you be the new Tommy? Well, not until sequels later. Well, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Now, Ted White was asked to play the part of Jason once again, but he was like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. Like, after the traumatic experience I had on the last film, I'm not coming back. Even though he went on to say he regretted not coming back uh, to, to reprise the role this time around. But I do find it interesting that a lot of the actors, when they auditioned for this role, they auditioned for a film called Repetition. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, they thought they were auditioning for Repetition. This this film about these kids that are dealing with post-traumatic stress and trying to overcome it. Yeah. And so the lead actor, John Shepard, actually went and did volunteer work <laughs> at a state <laughs> mental hospital for months in preparation for this role, only to find out that they were going to be in the fifth installment of a slasher franchise. <laughs> they were gutted, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I felt bad. Like, John Shepard... Each one of the Tommy Jarvis movies has a different actor playing Tommy Jarvis, which I think, looking back on now, kind of works. Well, they did actually want Corey Feldman back. Yeah, yeah. And they did actually get him for a dream sequence right at the beginning they of the did, film, yeah. which I believe they filmed in Corey Feldman's neighbor's back garden. Yeah, yeah. Corey Feldman rose to fame at this point and was already working on the Goonies. Yeah. So he they did, literally needed a replacement actor. They just couldn't. He just can't get out of... of of that and in fairness i mean goonies is the bigger project in comparison to doing friday the 13th part five you know if you're an actor you want to go for that that big that big movie not just some no-name repeated movie um but we do get that really cool kind of opening sequence where it's absolutely pissing down with rain you know they really went to went hell of leather with the rain machine in this sequence and we follow Corey feldman 
you know, walking up to uh, Jason Voorhees' grave. Now, the way that they have the grave like that, it's very dreamlike. Like, like you could be led to believe that it's real, but looking at the grave, nobody would bury Jason Voorhees like that. Like, unless you were a fan of fucking Jason Voorhees and wanted to give him a good burial. Um, but, you know, Corey hears some voices. He runs off and these two teens turn up and start to uncover, unearth Jason's coffin. They re they're really desperate to see the body. They, they open up the lid of the coffin they see inside. There he is, Jason, worms on his mask. You know, looking dead, but ho ho! He's carrying a fucking knife and a machete, and he nails both of them. You know, and just kind of, it's such a cool shot of him climbing out of that grave. It is great. Yeah, and I just love that Jason was buried with his machete. <laughs> so he can easily dispatch of any that, you know, that come across his grave. Well, that's what I mean. Whoever buried Jason really had care and consideration. They gave him a nice grave. <laughs> they, they even put a plot down there so people could find it. Little stones starting around. Gave him two weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even left a mask on his face. Yeah. yeah. Nobody buries a serial killer. <laughs> No, just leave the mask here, it's fine. Yeah. <gasps> but yeah, he uh, Jason once wanders over to uh to, to Tommy Jarvis and Tommy kind of wakes up and we transition then to modern Tommy. Yeah. So I was like, at least we go from Corey Feldman to John Shepard in one shot. It's like, okay, now we know who we're following here. Yeah, yeah. And and John wakes up in the back of his car. You know he's he's looking red eyed. He's looking like he hasn't slept very well. Uh, and he's he's heading to this new place, Pinehurst, uh, which, like the movie doesn't really tell us if we're still in Crystal Lake territory, you know, or really like, well, it doesn't even really tell us where we are. Like number four didn't, but we kind of just assumed that we must be near Crystal Lake because Jason was so close by after he left the morgue. In this one, it's got to be at least six or seven years after after uh, Tommy has has grown up and gotten to this point. So, like Jason is Jason is forgotten, you know. Wherever we are, it, it, it's not really supposed to matter. Um, but Tommy comes up to the house and he he meets uh, he meets uh, Pam and Matt, the two uh, adult leaders who are in charge of this this place, and like. Like, I know the writing's not great, okay? But, like, it just shows you the, 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 the irresponsibility of people trying to take care of teens with kind of emotional problems back in the 80s. Because <laughs> we barely hear any of their names, barely hear any of their backgrounds other than Tommy. Right. You know, the movie is just like, look, this is your main guy. Everybody else, if you've been watching four movies leading up to this point, are going to be dead by the end. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Now, I do think at least there's less characters in this one. Yes. Uh, there's not as much fodder. So we do get to spend a little bit more time with each of the characters. But there's more but padding. There is also twice as much padding. There's yeah. still the usual teens wandering around, coupling up with each other, drinking, taking drugs, and having sex. Now, I, I, I don't know if this is entirely true, but... Uh, Frank Mancuso Jr., who's sort of like the producer of all of these Friday sequels, yeah, yeah. deliberately hired Danny Steinman for his previous work in exploitation and porn. Yeah, he did Savage Streets with Linda Blair. That's right. It's like not a movie I would say would 
No, but I think what 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 Steinman offered was a certain level of schlock and uh, and sleaze. And ah. with the formula of Friday the 13th getting to this point, they figured they would get a sleazy director in to sleaze up the franchise because that is where it was getting its notoriety with the with the boobs and the gore so it was like let's hone in on that yeah but it and when this film released like the producer was like it's like the golden times of the franchise it's milking the money however when this film did release it did make tons and tons of money but it was also the noted mark in the decline yes no sequel past this one would make as much as the earlier films in the franchise because this one outsleaze them all but also put a lot of people off actually wanting to come back yeah maybe maybe it was the story which we will also now get into yeah yeah well like i like i said number four i it, it, I, I have personal feelings too because i watched them when i was young but i i knew at that point that the you know, when I was comparing them to, to the Nightmare on Elm Street series and the Halloween series or the Critters series or, or, or other horror movies that I was watching in the 90s, you know, leading in 2000s, I, I just knew that 4 was kind of the pinnacle of where we got into. It was so good. And then 5 just kind of just completely dropped off the deep end. You know, the, the focus is heavily on Tommy. And after the last movie, we're, we're led to believe that Tommy is, you know, damaged and he's broken and you know there's 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 just going to be something that sets him off and pushes him over the edge well it's the but fact it doesn't that <laughs> it, it doesn't no and and he only has 24 words yeah. of dialogue the entire film now the actor does a good job with his facial expressions he does a good job with his body language with his like you know playing with the zipper like all of the stuff and all of the research and prep that he did for the character does come through yeah yeah but like there's still not enough here to really get into this this damaged character. Well, it it also doesn't really make any sense when you put it in context with the entirety of the story. And obviously, we don't want to spoil it too early for those of you who haven't seen it. But let's just get to it. So, so Tommy moves into this house uh, and he sees the different characters, and we get we get introduced to Joey, who is the kind of overweight, you know, kid um, who's eating chocolate, and he's. He's trying to be helpful, but he just gets in the way. And and you know you you know people like that. They're always trying to help, but they just they just don't know how to do any better. So he tries to help two of the girls with the washing and puts his chocolate covered hands all over the white sheets. So they get immediately upset with him, and he goes off and he goes and speaks to Vic, who is a psychopath with a fucking axe. Like who said it was a good idea for him to chop wood? I just, I don't fucking know. But you can just tell that Vic is like on edge like all the time and joey tries to kind of talk to him vic's not having any of it he puts his chocolate bar on the log and says there you go vic trying to be friendly and vic's just like oh, i'm gonna chop it in half i'm so angry <laughs> and joey gives him shit and tells him he's not very likable and he turns away and that's when vic loses it and nails joey in the back with an axe now i was very surprised because i like oh I remember watching this as a kid that I thought that you watched him whack him a good couple of times. And then when I went back and I was watching, watching it for the movie, like he gets like the camera angles, angles one shot to the back of Joey. And then we literally just watch Vic kind of swinging away at nothing. Yeah, and we yeah. don't see anything until the body reveal later. Uh, yeah, when the when the when the paramedic reveals the sheet and we can see like there's an arm been cut yeah, off. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, he actually cut him to pieces. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the... 
the 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 kids at the home they're all pretty much fucking traumatized the police turn up Dick gets they arrested are, put in the back of the car yeah um we've got we've got uh sheriff tucker uh played by michael st john he's he's turned up a couple of times to talk to to matt and pam because supposedly the a couple of the teens like to go and have sex on the Hubbard farm, which is kind of next door. And we see Ma Hubbard and her son Junior turn up on the dirt bike, giving the kids shit. Oh, if you ever turn up on my farm again, I'm going to fucking blast you with my gun. Now, for me, I'm just like, so we've just gone from this horrific murder to these comic relief characters that are so over the top. That's it, my final words. Like, tonally, where does this film want to be? Yeah. What is it trying to be? Well, I think that's... Like, this point of the series, they, were, they, they weren't they were too sure what they were trying to do. Like, <laughs> like, the first three movies had a dark tone to it yeah. that you didn't really notice the cheesy jokes until they were, like, right there in your face. And they weren't really, really that bad. The next bunch of movies... The story and the kills are just not that great. That it's the cheesy jokes that make you remember the film more than anything else. And right. It's really bad. <laughs> you know, the t- like the, you you should have just kept the tone dark. You know, yes, I understand teens joke and mess around, but keep it in the context of the conversation. Not just some fucking no name redneck woman giving her son shit all the time. Like we we cut back to their house, don't we? We cut back several to their times. House. We come back to the house at one point and he's eating slop. You big dildo. Eat your fucking slop. Ain't I make the best goddamn stew in the whole wide world? Best goddamn stew in the whole wide world, man. And she's like, are you really loving my slop? And he's like, yeah, ma, I'm loving your slop. I'm like, oh, ma. I'm going to cut this chicken to bits. I hate these characters. <laughs> so much. Literally, this no-name wanderer turns up at the door. Hello. And she's like, what do you want? I need a meal. Well, you can clean up that chicken coop. Okay. He walks off. Yeah, well, I guess they're just like, Red Herring, could this guy be the new Jason? Is he the new killer? I'm like, no, it was Vic. We just saw him. <laughs> but no, yeah. but obviously, yeah. there's going to be another killer in the movie that's not Vic. Well, well this is it. Like, the first time I watched this movie, I, I was kind of, kind of in the belief that it was Jason coming back. That's, that's what I wanted. Um... But the camera work tries to subtly, but doesn't do it very well, focus on characters that we have no calling for at all. I'm looking at you, Roy. I'm looking at you. Well, the paramedic. Yeah. I'll leave him alone. Oh, okay, I will. Obviously, he's got nothing to do with this story. No. But then the killings start up. And after we... Obviously, we see the body get taken away. We are we come across these two greasers. Like, when is this film set? We've got these two leather jacket wearing fucking right. greasers. But their cars car. broke down. Broke down in the middle of the fucking woods. Are they near Crystal Lake? Are they near a town? I don't know. Like, we even see the mayor at one point turn up at the sheriff. Like, this is a small town. I'm like, I've seen nothing. <laughs> right. Nothing. The town in Halloween 4 was bigger than this town. We've just got to have an angry mayor in the scene you somewhere. We do, we've got to have an angry mayor. <laughs> Jason Voorhees! You're out of your fucking mind. You've been out in the sun too long. Jason Voorhees is dead. But the two greasers are at their car. I do recognise uh, uh, one of them from A Girlfriend from Hell and Hamburger Hill. And he gets quite a cool death because his buddy goes off to go toilet. 
I, I don't know. His buddy goes, like, I'm going to leave you to fix the car and I'm going to fuck off for five minutes. And while he fucks off, uh, somebody turns up with a flare and jams it in the greaser's mouth. Which I was like, oh, that's not a bad special effect. I mean, yeah, yeah. sadly, you haven't brought Tom Savini back again. No. You really should have had him on every fucking movie. Um, and then the other greaser comes back and sees his buddy working on the car. And is just waiting there like, come on, the car. I need the car working. I need the car working. And then Jason slits his throat and leaves the bodies there. Jason doesn't bother to hide the bodies in this movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it Jason? No. Is it resurrected Jason or is it a new killer? We still don't know yet. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely Tommy. It's got to be Tommy. It's got to be. All clues point to Tommy. I mean, he's hallucinating Jason. Right. But. I have to check this. I'm going to have to go back and check this. Is the Jason that he's hallucinating wearing the mask that we recognize where the Jason that we see in the movie is wearing the other mask we recognize? Interesting. Because I, I didn't actually check that. I have to go back and check that. If you've if you've seen the film and you're un, uh, unsure, the mask that Jason is wearing in this movie has blue arrows on it. And it doesn't have the damage from the previous movies either, like yeah. the, the wound to the top. In the, on the other previous mask, they were red arrows yes. pointing in different directions. And this is the only movie where it's actually a blue mask. So so it's not Jason. It might not be. I'm not <laughs> entirely sure. So the film devolves into the usual formula where we have, you know, sex scenes and then more kills. We have this very boobalicious lady Ooh, yes. revealing it all. And then Jason wanders along with these giant shears and plunges them right into her eyes. Yeah, I it always snaps. I always thought he cut off her head, but it's when he we see the next shot rolled. where it's all bloodied and bloodied horrible. on the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's probably it's like again that it's implied what happened, but it's still like when you're thinking about the actual death, it's pretty pretty yeah. horrendous. And and that's what I was finding with these Friday the Frame movies, especially like we've just done four and five. It's like they really know how to angle a kill. So that your imagination does all the work. Yes. And it's only until after that you kind of see it. You go, oh, it's just a special effect. But your mind's really just done a lot of the work for you. You you immediately know what the impact feels like to a meat cleaver to the face or a machete to the chest or, or these little things. Like even when a character gets killed off screen, your brain goes, oh, he's fucking crushed this. No, <laughs> yeah. broken him in half. <laughs> you know, um, because we even get that, that moment where uh, not Jason... Turns up at a restaurant, doesn't he? Uh, the guy, uh, one of the uh, ambulance attendants has driven up to pick up his girlfriend, Lana. And while she's inside getting changed, um, Jason fucking nails the boyfriend. Yeah, while he's doing his cocaine. Yeah, and kills him <laughs> off. So then when the girlfriend comes up and she sees the cocaine, she sees Jason and she gets taken out as well. And the bodies are just being laid. They're just being left there. Yeah, you know, bodies keep, just piling up everywhere. Yeah, we keep seeing the cops coming across, and they keep coming across these bodies, and they're they're unsure what's going on. They even they even speak out loud like, "Oh, what's going on here?" And Roy Roy has no clue. 
Roy has no idea what's going on, just in case you needed to know who that was talking in the background. That's Roy. He's innocent, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did recognise the sheriff's deputy. It really threw me because the I heard the guy's voice and I looked at the uniform and I'm like, who the fuck are you? I know you. And it turned out it's the dad from Ready to Rumble, the WCW <laughs> movie, wrestling movie. I was like, hey, it's him. It must be the, the uniform. But... It threw me as well with this movie that Tommy seems to just disappear a lot. And and though you are supposed to believe that it might be him doing the kills, it's it, it's so blatantly not because it's not like he's disappeared. The, the, the director's just not using him. Yeah. So even though he's not in these moments, I just know he's back at the house with some of the other kids. Hanging out with Reggie. You know. Yeah, Reggie <laughs> the Reckless, who loves making special uh, special effects and puppets and stuff like that. So so I, I like to kind of believe that, oh, maybe this is a resurrected Jason. You know, but when you see this Jason in action, he doesn't act like a Jason. You know, he doesn't... He, he doesn't magically teleport anywhere or have some super kind of strength. He's literally just killing people with whatever weapons he has to stand, which, which is cool. It feeds into the Jason law. It's just, it doesn't work as well. And so, like, for example, when we get, like, um, Reggie the Reckless, who wants to go and meet his brother Demon, who's staying at some uh, some caravan park, and he drives down there. And I recognised the actor. Wasn't he in uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 1? That's right, yeah. Yeah, I recognised him. Yeah, it's that. a great moment here where he's just like, hey, I haven't seen you in ages. Here, here's my girlfriend. Oh, here's your girlfriend. Here, eat these uh, enchiladas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got all this food left over. I'm a bum in life, but, you know, I'd love to see my brother. Um, but they take Tommy with them as well. And Tommy is confronted by Junior, who's driving around on his bike, um, decides to give Tommy shirt toes and that he's, you know, he's going to scare him. And we'd already seen that Tommy doesn't like to be scared. He'd already yeah. beaten up uh, one of the boys back at the home. So when when Junior tries to scare Tommy, Tommy beats the shit out of him and Junior just gets on his bike and rides over to Mummy. Mummy's <laughs> going to kill you all. <laughs> Starts doing laps around the house, <laughs> screaming for his mummy. And mummy's still making, whatever time of night it is, she's still making his slop. Yeah. But uh, he ends up riding around, riding around, and then bump decapitated. Yeah, no, so, <laughs> not Jason, had previously, just before this, after Tommy uh, and, and Reggie and Pam had all disappeared from Demon, he'd taken out Demon and his girlfriend. So, this not Jason is every, fucking everywhere, just killing Anyone everyone. and everyone for no reason. Re <laughs> yeah, just... whether they've had sex, taken drugs, or drinking doesn't matter. If you're in the way, you're just getting killed. You're there. So it's like Demon decides that he needs to go to the toilet, and as he's sat in the toilet at the caravan park, his girlfriend starts shaking it. She's like, "Haha!" And they start singing to each other. So you're like, "Oh, this is really nice." And then she goes quiet because she's had her throat slit for singing, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> And then Demon, he's inside the toilet and, and uh, this metal pole just starts to keep coming through until finally it, it impels him right through the gut. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, what did this guy ever do to you? Not Walked Jason. onto the set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's not long before we're just revealed. We get this one shot where it's the last survivors in the house and Pam's like, I've got to go, I'll be back soon. 
and the camera just rolls in onto them all. I'm like, well, you're all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we do. We follow them one by one as Jason starts picking them off. Yeah. Well, he'd already killed Mother Hubbard back at the farm as well. After oh, yeah. After yeah, yeah. brother. So that's what threw me off because he's just killed Demon and he's raced all the way over there. He's killed these two family members and then he rose from the farm to the house back to the house yeah. you know and and what and he, he does he just like i know jason can sneak in houses like he's a bit of a ninja but this is not not jason you yeah. know so we got the one guy who's just like trying to trying to get this girl to sleep with him yeah he's just like oh, jake with the stutter yeah yeah so he wanders off and cries and gets killed then we follow her around as she gets naked and wanders around the house for five minutes before getting into bed and, and, and the, sees the body when she rolls over. Yes, she didn't yes. see it as she climbed in. <laughs> yeah. And so Jason kills her. Or not Jason. Yeah, not Jason kills kills her. Then we follow the goth rock chick as she's dancing in a room. My, oh my god. Like he walks into the room. And she then, turns around and he's vanished. Yeah, but he's hiding around the corner by the wardrobe. Yeah. And then he, well, he just walks in and he just stabs her, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And like, I know this is Jason's motif, but... Like when you saw him do it in two and three, that 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 really worked with him walking around through houses. Like at that point, he wasn't fully supernatural, but he'd he'd lived in the woods for fucking twenty odd years, so he knew how to move stealthily. This person doesn't know that, so why not just scare her standing in the doorway? Why why walk in the door quietly, close the door, and then hide around the corner and then come out? It just, just seems completely pointless. It's, it's trying to set up the horror tropes and repeat the formula. Yeah. But it, yeah, it just comes across as odd in this one. Yeah. Everything about Not Jason is just odd. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that is kind of intended as well because it isn't Jason. Yeah. We, we, we finally get to the final revelation because... Uh, Reggie and Pam have gotten together. They've realised that uh, Matt's dead. Grandpa's dead. All of the kids that were left in the house are dead. The two people that were fucking on the farm are dead. Probably the two people at the farm are fucking dead too. You know. And they can't find Tommy at all. So they're either thinking either Tommy's dead. Or or he's Jason. Because obviously he's been traumatised by the killings. That he's taken on the mask. And he's decided to do it. And it, by this point it kind of plays that point. But you you also know it's not Tommy. Because the film hasn't given you enough evidence to put Tommy in that place. He's he's just there. He's just a character. Um, and so they, they, they get chased by Jason into the barn. That's right. Um, and, and Tommy does finally turn up to confront Jason. And if you're looking carefully, you can actually see that you can see the eyes in the mask behind uh, for Jason's character. The, the first couple of movies, he only had one eye. Right. So the fact that he's got two in this, you're like... That's not right. That's not right. <laughs> but Pam takes him on with a chainsaw. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes. Slices him up just a little bit. Yeah. And then the chainsaw runs out of power. <laughs> yeah, like, oh. But they end up, I mean, Jason takes his damage. Like, he doesn't grunt too much in pain. Like, you know, but you know it hurts. You know it hurts because he's hurts. looking at his bloody wounds. Yeah. And you know, just like, yeah, you're going down, Jason. You're bleeding. You're like, this, this is not normal for you. Yeah, it's like when you start to see the blood, you're like, like this, no, because the other Jasons, yeah, they bled, but it was like they were immune to pain. Yeah. They didn't, they, they didn't even worry about it. This guy's a little bit back, a little bit reserved. He doesn't want to just, he's not just going to lunge at her and hope that his invincibility wears on. But they um, they lure him to the top of the barn, don't they? Yeah. 
and they they have a bit of a fight and he gets knocked out of the window and falls well he he falls and initially you think oh he's dead but he does come back to try to grab reggie one more time they finally kick him off and he falls onto the the farm implement at the bottom and gets spiked through and that's when you see the mask come off and you realize it was <gasps> roy no not roy not, not roy the innocent paramedic the guy who was talking all the way through the movie and the camera just lingered on him a little bit but just enough that he just would kind of disappear again in the background roy <laughs> you talking to me sheriff huh oh i thought you was talking to me not Tommy Jarvis, not the guy who was implied to be the killer since the last movie. So what's Roy's motive? He's the father of the fat kid who got killed at the beginning. Ah. Uh, yeah. Suppose. So why did he go and get revenge on the greasers that broke down outside? Be why did he go and kill the farm people? Why did he kill everybody? I... I think he's... Why did he not kill the person that killed his son? <laughs> I... I tend to think that Roy just went mad. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> well, like, I, I don't understand why he stayed so close to look after his son and not reveal himself to his son. Yeah. You know, like... How did nobody else not know that that was his dad, I guess? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, why? Why, Roy? Why? Why? <laughs> because... We get to the ending again, where we get a bit of a... Well, we get a dream sequence, don't we? Where Tommy's lying in the bed and Pam comes up to speak to him and he stabs her in the gut. Yeah. Uh, but then Tommy wakes up and he's like, Oh, no, it was all a dream and I'm still kind of fucked up in the head from all the shit that I've seen. And, oh, what's this in a drawer? Oh, I've kept Jason's mask with me this whole time. Yeah. and So yeah. was it me? Was it both of us? Yeah. Well, shall it? I go and kill this person now? Was the film so bad they just didn't show us Tommy's <laughs> kills? Because he, he, because Pam walks into the room and he, he steps out from behind the door, doesn't he? Wearing yeah. the mask with the machete. Yeah. And so that... we're like, oh, so Tommy's now definitely Jason. No. <laughs> no, no. No. End of movie. <laughs> Ian, did you have any favourite scenes from uh, The New Beginning? Uh, once again, just like with the previous one, it was just the kills really the the story the story's there it just suffers from non-direction non-heart you know the, i like i really feel like if they'd walked into this movie with the idea that tommy jarvis was going to be the new nancy heather Lagenkamp character for Jason Voorhees, then we would we would have been sailing through this movie. You would have you you would have had all the red herrings there, and you would have had Tommy being like you know people scared of him and not want to be by him, but it's actually this other killer. And then you could have brought Jason back, but you didn't. You you really don't give Tommy enough in this movie to go. Oh, he's either the hero or the villain. Yeah, he's he's honestly neither. I. I like the kill with the girl in the woods where she gets the shears to the eyes. I, li I like the fact that my imagination does some of that work. Uh, the guy with the belt around his face. That's yeah. a pretty cool kill. Um, you know, the guy running around on his bike getting decapitated. Mum being the meat cleaver to the face. Uh, demon getting stabbed through the guts. Some of them just aren't as good as the ones in number four or some of them previous. But some of them are just enough to make you go, ooh, I'm watching a Friday the Friday movie. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll just recap the kills like we did the last one. <laughs> yeah. Times two stabbings in the nightmare at the beginning. Yeah. Victor kills Joey with an axe. We get a flare in the mouth. 
We get a machete neck slice. We get an axe to the back of the head. We get an axe to the stomach. We get stabbed in the guts. We got the naked lady getting sheared in the eyes. Eyes gouged. Head squashed to a tree. We get a neck sliced. We get stabbed through the back. We got a decapitation on a bike. A knife to the face. A knife attack off screen. A machete through the back. Stabbed in the stomach by machete. More eyes gouged. And then pushed onto spikes. Mm. Yeah, I think this one literally upped the nudity count and the gore count of all of the movies yet again. Like it's on that upward trajectory of... But lowered the quality. Yes. Sadly, yes. Um, so yeah, I don't really have any favorite or memorable scenes other than all the kills. Yeah. In, do you recommend a new beginning? You know what? No, I do not. I actually finished this movie and thought to myself, hey, you could honestly just completely cut number five out of the series and flow Friday the 13th part four into Friday the 13th part six. And it's the easiest way to keep the Tommy Jarvis story alive. You, you, like, I... I know that they try to do some things with this story. It just doesn't work. And even the the guy acting as Tommy Jarvis, John Shepard, I know he was a, he's probably a really good actor and he did put a lot of quality work into his, his uh, you know, trying to work out what these kids would be like in his spare time. But it, it was just squandered by the director. And so it's what he's giving me from the Tommy Jarvis character just doesn't work because he do, he's not in it enough. He really is not, and he doesn't say enough. You know, the guy in number six and Corey Feldman in number four, that's that's kind of my Tommy Jarvis's there. I'm, I'm happy with them because they give me some character. They give me some background or some lore about this fight against this mass killer that they're trying to prevent killing all these people. And in this one, it's not even him. It's fucking Roy. <laughs> the film is so fucking blatantly obvious with that. I cannot fucking stand any production of TV or film where the camera will linger on a character I've not been introduced yet and expect me not to remember them. And then they turn up at the end and the production goes, haha, were you surprised? And I go, no, I was not. <laughs> well, they certainly tried something different <laughs> with did. the story this time around, with the formula being relatively the same. You know, have some shocks and some scares and kill a character every seven or eight minutes. Throw in lots of nudity and chase scenes and put a mask on it and you're done. (laughs) This one really feels made for TV. It also has a feel of exploitation sleaze in some aspects. A new beginning is what the studio wanted. To keep the Friday cash cow bleeding, mm. to continue without Jason, but fans cried out at this instalment, and the attempt to turn Tommy Jarvis into the next killer has not gone down very well. It was a bold choice to make with this story, and knowing where the story goes makes this film now feel out of place in the franchise. Yeah, totally. I don't really recommend this Friday. It was repeating kills, felt formulaic. Jason lost his menace and his impact on screen. The characters were not all that interesting, but there was some good 80s horror and nudity and gore. It's average for me. I don't hate it. It just feels cheap now. I don't have much fun re-watching this new beginning. You know, Harry Manfredini's score still going strong, though, reminding you this is a Jason movie and not some random slasher film. If Jason still haunts you... 
you're not alone. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. <laughs>